welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're someone who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, certified life and weight mindset coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's podcast episode all about brain science for weight loss. Welcome by the way to everyone who is listening, whether you are a new podcast listener or you've been listening for a little while, I want you to know that I so appreciate you being here. I would love to know how this podcast is helping you in your weight loss journey, so if you've been using it to create a better relationship with food, yourself and your life, please do let me know because I would love to celebrate you. Email me at support at weightwhispering.com or let me know via an Apple podcast review. So you may have heard me say that weight loss is not about the food. I say how it's all about you. It's about how your relationship with food is determined by what's happening in your body, your brain, your mind and your emotions, and also what's happening in your relationship with yourself and your life. But today we're focusing on what is happening in your brain, in your relationship with food, and how you knowing and understanding your brain just a little better can help make it easier to use your brain to help you instead of allowing it to be unsupervised, which often means it's hindering you. Now, before we go into detail on this, I want to let you know that we have a half-day workshop unlocking sustainable weight wellness taking place this weekend on Saturday the 9th of September and you're invited. The cost is just £9, Great British Pounds, or US dollars and you can find out all of the details at www.thebestyou.coach forward slash SWW011S, that's S for sugar, SWW011S. The link will be in the episode notes for this podcast. So onto your brain then, what is happening in your brain, in your relationship with food, and how can you better manage your brain to help you lose weight, be healthier, all of those things. You may or may not know there are multiple parts to your brain, but what I want to focus on here is the fact that you have both a lower brain and a higher brain. And you might also consider them as your primitive brain and your human brain or your cerebral cortex. Now, the primitive brain is responsible for basic survival functions and instinctual responses. It controls essential bodily functions like breathing, heart rate and digestion. And it also processes emotions, especially fear. And it's primarily focused on survival and reacting to immediate needs or threats. In contrast, the higher human brain, also called the cerebral cortex, is responsible for complex thinking, reasoning, consciousness and voluntary actions. It's also responsible for decision making and problem solving. And it enables us to think, plan, learn, communicate and engage in sophisticated ways, in ways that essentially separate us humans from other animals. Now then, which part of your brain do you think makes most of our food decisions most of the time? So normally, it is, of course, our primitive brain. Now, scientifically, there are several things happening when your primitive brain is making a food decision. The hypothalamus, 
a key component of the primitive brain, is responsible for regulating hunger and, I can never say this word, satiety, society, however we say it. It monitors the body's energy needs and signals when it's time to eat. So hunger or stop eating, society, satiation. (laughs) This regulation ensures that we maintain adequate energy levels or survival. The amygdala, another part of the primitive brain, is involved in processing emotions, including those related to food. It can generate cravings and influence our appetite based on emotional and survival-related factors. For example, stress or anxiety may trigger food cravings, often for high-calorie, ultra-processed comfort foods. Now, the primitive brain is wired to seek out ultra-processed, often calorie-dense foods, especially those high in sugars and fats. And this preference likely evolved as an adaptive response to ensure survival in times when food is scarce. Okay, it doesn't happen very much today in the modern world if you're living in the UK or if you're living in the USA. Now, the brain's reward system, including the release of dopamine, reinforces the consumption of these foods. And another factor is that during times of stress, the primitive brain overrides our higher cognitive functions, so our human brain, and leads us to emotional or stress eating. This behaviour is often driven by the release of stress hormones, such as cortisol, which are responsible for increasing appetite, again, particularly for comfort foods. All right, I want you to notice all that is going on here in your brain that has you eating those highly refined, highly calorific foods that we know contribute towards making weight loss difficult, essentially hinder weight loss, hinder health, all of those things. Now, if you think about how our brain is designed and what's going on here, all of this worked really well thousands of years ago when food was neither readily available 24-7 nor ultra-processed because our brains evolved to regulate hunger, got to find another word for satiation, for satiety, to ensure survival in resource-scarce environments. I don't normally have this much trouble with the word, but never mind. Okay, But the modern environment presents a very different set of challenges. So modern society offers an abundance of highly processed, calorie-dense, easily accessible foods that can override our brain's natural satiation, I have to say it that way, signals. These foods often contain added sugars and healthy fats and artificial flavourings that can stimulate overeating by bypassing the brain's natural regulation mechanisms. And the brain's regulation of hunger... And satiation relies on sensory cues such as taste, smell and texture. And in our modern world, we are exposed to an overwhelming array of food advertisements and sensory stimuli, which can lead to increased cravings and even eating when we are not physically hungry. Also, chronic stress, which is prevalent in modern life, can disrupt our brain's hunger and satiation signals. Stress hormones, as I mentioned, like cortisol, can increase appetite and promote the consumption of comfort foods, again, leading to overeating. So many of us today have irregular schedules due to busy lives as well, shift work or social pressures. And again, this can disrupt the brain's ability to regulate hunger and satiate, if it's being satiated on a consistent basis. And we don't eat mindfully. We're often eating on the go. We're distracted, eating in front of screens whilst we're watching television. Um all of the things eating in our car and this again disconnects our body's natural hunger and satiation cues 
And the food industry on top of this invests heavily in marketing strategies that promote these consumptions of these unhealthy foods and the availability of fast food, vending machines, convenience stores with unhealthy options, again, make it difficult to make nutritious choices. And finally, on top of all of that, we have a sedentary lifestyle, which can further disrupt. So it's not just about, you know, calories in, calories out and exercising. It further disrupts the brain's regulation of hunger and satiation. Okay, because physical activity helps regulate appetite and metabolism and a lack of exercise contributes again to overeating. So why are we vulnerable to overeating in this way? Why do we desire these foods? Whether we're eating because we think food tastes delicious or eating to cope with challenging feelings, what we're getting when we eat is the release of dopamine in our brain that feels good. Okay, so the reason we are compelled to do all of this is because we want the dopamine and because of everything that is going on in our brain. Notice that none of this is to do with willpower, okay? When you decide to lose weight based on willpower, you are stacking so much against yourself because willpower does not solve all of the things going on in your brain that I've just spoken to you about. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about dopamine. So dopamine is a neurotransmitter. When dopamine is released in the brain, it creates positive sensations and a sense of pleasure and well-being. And our primal brain is driven to help us get more dopamine in our lives. So if we think when food is scarce and obtaining food is risky, so think of animals in the wild, they need to be motivated to risk getting that food or they will die because they're not eating. Okay, and again, if we think about animals in the wild, we they're not having conscious thought about any of this, okay? So they're not typically having a conceptual understanding of life and death and the fact that they need to eat food in order to um, nourish their body and live and survive and be healthy and all of these things, okay? They do not know, they're not aware that they need to eat to survive in the way that humans do. Instead, their behaviour is primarily driven by instincts and biological cues and dopamine has a significant role in that Okay, so as you will see, what's going on in our brain when we make food decisions is complex. Really, only barely scratched the surface with what I've shared with you here. As I mentioned before, you will appreciating, be appreciating that deciding to use willpower to override what's happening in your brain and your body, because we haven't. What we're not talking about here is other hormones in our body that are a huge part of all of this. So, if you consider everything that's going on in your brain and in your body, it's going to be challenging. Instead, what I suggest you do instead of attempting to lose willpower to stick to a diet is that you learn ways to work with your brain, or you might want to think of it as hacking your brain. And what I mean by that is ways to work with yourself to make things easier. And three of the many things you can do to help, what do they look like? Well, one, how about changing how you make food decisions so that you're making more food decisions with your higher human brain and less with your lower primitive brain? The more you practice doing this, the easier it gets because you're forming the habit of doing this. And I'm going to talk more to you about that in just a moment. A second one can be get creative at creating dopamine for you in non-food ways. And thirdly, take steps to alleviate stress and negative feelings in your life, as well as learning how to feel better again in non-food ways. So let's talk more about these. We cover all of this inside of the Lose Weight Live Life Academy, but I'm going to give you a couple of suggestions to get you started. So with regards to making food decisions with a different part of your brain, what you can do here is you can write a plan of what you will eat in advance so that you are not making food decisions in the moment. Now, there are many benefits of doing this, and one of them is that you're using your higher brain to make your food choices and not your lower brain. And when you use your higher brain, you're able to access all of your knowledge and experience to make 
an informed decision. You can weigh up the pros and cons and consider the bigger picture. For example, I won't have dessert when I eat out on Thursday because I'm also eating out on Saturday and I know that having two extra desserts will likely lead to a gain in weight. This is what you're able to think about and rationalise when you're making a decision ahead of time with your higher human brain. When you decide in the moment, in contrast, you're using your primal brain, you're not thinking about the bigger picture or the long-term impact. That part of your brain, the primal brain, is designed to have you make your decision based on what will give you the most pleasure, have you avoiding uh, any discomfort in the moment, and what will be easiest. Your primal brain, making an in-the-moment decision, thinks that having dessert when it's offered it is a really good idea. Now, I'm just using dessert here as in this situation as an example. Not everyone has a sweet tooth. I totally appreciate that. You may knowingly have learned to get your dopamine from alcohol or from cheese or for other, from other foods and drinks. Now, just because you make a plan, of course, doesn't mean your primal brain won't take over and make a different decision in the moment. But having a plan is the first step. It enables you to see when that happens, firstly, and also then you can um, use that and when you see what's going on for you to learn different tactics to help your primal brain not override your higher human brain in the moment and change your mind. And the more you practice making food decisions in advance, the easier it's going to get to quieten down your primal brain and have it take a back seat so that it overrides your human brain decisions less and less often and it gets easier and easier and easier. Okay, so what about creating dopamine for yourself in non-food ways? So remember that dopamine is associated with pleasure, reward and satisfaction. So you want to create more pleasure in your life. You want to get good at rewarding yourself and I recommend you create the habit of taking stock of what you appreciate about yourself and your um, life regularly. And here are some suggestions. So number one is laughter and humour. So whether it's watching a sitcom, spending time with friends who have you in stitches, or watching video clips of animals doing silly things on social media, laughter and humour are natural ways to release dopamine. So you want to be doing more of that because the more you're doing that, the less you're seeking out food to give you the dopamine. Another suggestion is experiencing new things. Whether it's travelling to new places, trying new activities or exploring unfamiliar environments, all of these things stimulate dopamine release. Novelty is a potent trigger for the brain's reward system. A third suggestion is things like acts, acts of kindness, we might call them. So helping others can lead to a release of dopamine. And this can include volunteering, assisting someone in need or simply being supportive and empathetic to a family member or friend. Number four when we learn new things or we do intellectual challenges, it might be Sudoku or something like that, but essentially challenging your mind through learning new skills, puzzle solving, signing up for a course, all of these things can boost dopamine levels. Okay, It might also be pursuing a new hobby, pursuing further education. I want members of the Lose Weight Live Life Academy to approach the programme not like a diet, but as if they're attending a class at university all about how to live their best, healthiest life through creating the relationship with food, themselves and the lives that they want. When they approach the programme this way, I find that weight loss is inevitable. Okay, number five, and this one's very specific. I share it because it works well for me. And that is ticking things off lists. Very simple. When I create a list of daily tasks, I get a little dopamine hit of satisfaction and reward when I get to tick off the task is done. So don't just make a list 
Be sure to always tick when the item is done, no matter how insignificant, quick or simple it might have been. So I might even put on my daily list, you know, one or two wash loads or something like that. Put it on the list, not so that I remember to do it purely so I get the benefit of ticking off when I have done it afterwards to get that little bit of dopamine and to feel um, perhaps we feel good about myself and about my day. So I really recommend this. Of course, the more you do it, the more it becomes habitual. Um, it's just going to become a more natural source of where you're getting your dopamine from. And one more thing that I do regularly and I really, really recommend is something to help with feelings of satisfaction. That was one of the things that we get from dopamine. And this is to introduce a daily practice of gratitude in your life. Write down three things each day you're grateful for in your life or in yourself. And don't forget that one as well. Write down what you appreciate about yourself. That's hugely important. Don't just write these things out on paper and sort of like that's done. You want to take it a step further than that. You want to feel the effect of those thoughts of gratitude. Write them down, but then pause and close your eyes and feel the gratitude flow through your body as you think about these things. And then the other thing that we were talking about, so moving on from dopamine now, is taking steps to alleviate stress and negative feelings in your life. And this is really learning to feel better in non-food ways. So you're not looking for that dopamine hit from the food to overwrite any stress or negative emotions that you've got. We're always going to have stress and negative emotions. What we want to do is to have better ways to manage them. And it overlaps with the suggestions around dopamine, but here are some things you might want to think about. The first, really important and often forgotten, is taking care of your basic physical needs. So sleep, hydration, taking time off when you're unwell, exercise and movement. You experience stress when you're physically unwell as much as much as you do. We Sometimes we think of stress as being emotionally challenged, but actually stress is there when we're physically unwell as, as well. And the two cannot be separated. Also, when we are not physically as well as we can be, Life's challenges are more challenging to deal with. Okay, so when we're tired or unwell, it feels more difficult to handle the things that life is throwing at us all of the time. So it's really important to take care of yourself. Get enough sleep, stay hydrated, take rests when you when you need to rest. And then second thing I want you to think about is know how you respond to stress. Now, chances are you're kind of aware that stress is there, but you might not have a practice of how you intentionally manage it deal with it or alleviate it so in fact first ask yourself do you know when you're stressed and how do you know so really sort of like you know close your eyes think about how do I know when I'm stressed how does stress show up for me what are the physical symptoms in your body how do you respond mentally in your mind and how do you respond emotionally because before you can have a plan for handling stress you're going to want to check in with yourself to see if you know the symptoms so for me the physical symptoms are tightness around my jaw, dry mouth, and underlying tension in my upper body. If I have extended periods of stress and don't do something about it, I get mouth ulcers. And also when I'm experiencing stress mentally, I start avoiding things. So my mental response to stress is to start avoiding things. It's almost like, you know, pushing things under the carpet, turning away from dealing with things. And it feels as though my capacity to cope with other things in life just seems generally lower. So I have less capacity to cope with things I can normally cope with well in life. And emotionally well, I feel and exhibit less positive emotions. So, you know, my family might describe me as having a short fuse. Now, as far as you can alleviate stress once it's noticed, I would recommend first getting really clear on the sources of your stress. What are the thoughts and associated feelings 
you're having about circumstances in your life that are causing the stress. Because stress means so many things. It's such a blanket term. It's a catch-all for various negative emotion, as well as physical changes in our body, as well as unhelpful thinking. So you want to, as a part of your practice for managing stress, once you've noticed that you're experiencing it, is you want to have a good practice to really help yourself understand what is going on for you. Because the better you can understand what's going on for you, the easier it is going to be to address it. And a few months back, we did a great class in the Lose Weight Live Life Academy about all of the things that you can do to change your emotional state. And just one of those, one of the most useful ones was about moving your body. When you're experiencing stress, go for a walk, put on music and dance around the room, move your body. Another one was about all about getting outside in nature and sort of stopping and sort of like a getting in the outside natural environment um, and seeing what is going on there. And another one of my favourites is journaling, following a specific process of recognising what aspects of the causes of my stress are in my control and what are not. And just actually going through that process can be incredibly helpful and useful as well. It's knowing that when you, that you, can, you know, it's knowing when you can't change the circumstances of your life, it's noticing what those things are that you can't change, but then also deciding how you want to respond to them. So that's what I wanted to touch on today. I wanted to share with you or remind you that understanding your brain and the impact it has on your food decisions can be incredibly helpful as you help yourself redesign your relationship with food and eating. And again, I want you to thank you for, for being here and for listening, whether you are new or you've been here for a while. And if you would like more insight into sustainable weight wellness, go to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash, so S for sugar, www.011S for sugar again. So SWW011S and find out all of the details about joining us this weekend, Saturday the 9th of September. Okay, thanks for listening and have a good week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honoured to have you join the Lose Weight Live Life Academy membership and coach with me. The programme offers different levels of support to suit you, including self-paced learning, twice weekly calls, private coaching, an amazingly caring community and lots more. Find out all the details about when and how you can join at www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching.